Hey everyone, before we open today's file, please make sure to follow us on Instagram at d.s.radio where you can find all the images that go along with today's case. You can drop us an email at contact.dsradio at gmail.com. You can find all of our socials in the Linktree bio on our Instagram profile, including links to merch. If you're feeling especially generous, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dystopian simulation radio, where you can get access to our exclusive Instagram page and make suggestions for upcoming episode topics that you would like us to cover. Speaking of Patreon, thanks to our Patreons, Riff Cult, Cropley Crab, Cash Broadus, Raspberry Jr., Jason R. Nelson, Creepy Paper, Jamie Suit, Michael Laughlin, Lindsay Keller, Mike Wright, Gria Weaver, Kelsey Carithers, Linz Gibbon, Drake Holvig, Only Child, Michael M, Wesley Akers, Riaz K, Emily Medeiros, Pip, Heather Wynn, Graves, Devin Sweatshirt, The Ordained Sinister Minister, and Philip Hoffman. Hi everybody and welcome to this instalment of Dystopian Simulation Radio. I am your first host, Chris. And I'm your second host, Linz. I don't know why we did it like that, but yes. <laughs> no, there's only two. We don't really need numbers. There's only two. Of us. I was going to say. <laughs> Linz, how are you doing? Pretty good. Um, went to the Museum of Disgusting Foods in Malmö the other week. That was um, eye-opening and disgusting. Shocker. What was <laughs> the most disgusting food, in your opinion, that you saw? Oh, the most And dis- why was it natto? Disgusting. <laughs> Actually, I really wanted to try natto. I wanted you to bring some from Japan. But um, yeah, the most disgusting, well, they had like, I, I don't know if it's controversial to say this, but they had like dogs on them. Obviously, that's terrible. Yeah. They didn't have them there. It was just like a model of a dog and saying, you know, people eat dogs and this and that place. And Oh, yeah, okay. It wasn't an actual dog. I was going no. to say, like, if it was just like the cafe at the end next to the gift shop. <laughs> there was a cafe next to the dogs gift shop. Dogs on the menu. Oh, okay. <laughs> there was, and the gift yeah. shop had some gross stuff in it. Um, I don't know if yeah, I should say this. a bit rough. We can cut it out, but um, they had a, a cocktail book where the main ingredient for every cocktail was semen. So... Oh. disgusting that that actually made me feel sick i flicked through that book and i was like mm, yeah that's way worse than i thought it would be <laughs> was it like was it like measured out yep was it, like, it was measured out you need mm-hmm. half an ounce of semen mm-hmm. and a little bit of kalua exactly exactly it was just basically a regular cocktail but then add this semen to it. i don't know why they needed a book for it you could just yeah but um, they sold goat's heads. I know that's quite a normal thing for people to eat in some parts of the world. But if you're if you're like us and you've probably never seen a big goat's head or a guinea pig um, fried. I've never seen a big guinea pig's head. No, a capybara. <laughs> that's kind of a oh. big guinea pig. No, but, um, um, you know, there was guinea pigs and stuff. But people do eat those in other countries. So I don't necessarily mm. say it's a disgusting food. It's just sort of like an uncommon one. For, um, well, lens people stick them up their assholes as well. They do. I think that's gerbils. I think a guinea pig's pretty big. Depends how big your asshole is. <laughs> Chris, you asked how I was and we've ended up here. But yes, I went to that museum and um, you did get the sample. They also had, sorry, they had like a big wheel of cheese with um, basically how it's made is a bunch of maggots are eating into it. So the maggots are in the cheese and you're just staring at it going, okay. Um, they had this kind of 
I think it might have been from like Iceland or something. I'm not sure. Not the frozen food shop like the place. But it was like, um, <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> they might have it in Iceland. But, um, I don't think they're sponsoring us anytime soon. No, so, but yeah. if they do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was like a seal that was stuffed with loads of dead birds. And they described it like you kind of let it ferment and rot. And then you squeeze it out like a giant frube or like a dreamy screamies for cats. Yeah. Oh, that was um and you could okay. smell some of the things too and at the end they let you try a bunch of stuff but i didn't try much it was insects and everything mm. and, and there was like a chili test i i passed the whole test of course i'm like a chili addict but um yeah it was really you couldn't fun. eat one fucking grasshopper i couldn't couldn't do it it just the legs like it oh god i watched other people eat it and i was just like they had some quite big things as well like grubs you know like those big fat mm, ones and i was w- like the, the wichita grubs or something no clue just i just like mm. thought of that scene from um the lion king you know where they they're lifting <laughs> up those rocks and they have those like big grubs yeah. and also have you seen that clip of bear grills where he bites into a big grub and like the other end of it explodes and all the entrails and such come out disgusting i just stole no, these I memories <laughs> But I'm going to add that to my to-watch list. Everybody watch Bear Girls eating a grub. It's freaking awful. I swear to God. Horrible. But yeah, how are you, Chris? <laughs> I'm good. I'm great. I'm, uh, I've been, I've been, I'm, I'm especially good at, at this time of, of year, whenever there is Star Wars on television. So I've been, uh, I've been watching Ahsoka. Have you? No, but I didn't start because I thought they would release it episode by episode and that would frustrate me. But has it all come out Mm. at once? No, no. Well, the first two episodes were out at once and then it's been episode by episode. At time of recording, there's two more left. I'm not going to give any spoilers. So anybody who's listening, don't worry. Okay. Well, I'm going to wait until it's all out and then I'm going to binge it because I can't do that waiting for an episode thing. It's too old school. (laughs) <laughs> well, I am uh, I'm highly enjoying it and I'll, I'll leave it at that. If anyone wants to chat to me about it, just send me a DM. Um, that's the quickest way to get a reply. Mention Star Wars. Yes, exactly. I was going to say, like, Chris, you know, he replies to things now and again. But if you mention Star Wars, he'll be in the DMs for about like two hours talking about it. So <laughs> feel free and, and send me ghosts and hauntings. I always reply to those. <laughs> So, Linz, yes. Uh, just before we jump into today's episode, as you would have heard in the introduction, make sure that you head over to our Instagram bio. There's a link in there where you can find all of the extra goodies that we have. So we've got t-shirts that you can buy. You can sign up to our Patreon if you want to support the show. And we really appreciate everybody who does that. And also you can find all of our social media links as well. Yes. Hey, Linz, have you ever had an unwanted knock on the door? Oh, God, yes. And you answer it and it's, you know, someone trying to sell you discount fish from the back of a van. Maybe it's the TV license people, <laughs> religious cultists. Um, usually it's nothing that exciting. A fish from the back of a van would be really funny, but um, mostly it's just sort of, like you said, people trying to bring you into their religion and i don't answer the door by the way i just look through the people and go no <laughs> ah well i see you have also studied the japanese art which i have mastered called irusu the art of pretending that you are out when somebody knocks on the door <laughs> come on that's like a thing in england too and it's also a thing in sweden <laughs> <laughs> But it's its own concept. Try it. It'll revolutionize your life. But you may especially want to practice this art in today's subject. For when they rat-a-tat-tat on your chamber door, you will regret answering it. I just got a chill. Lens, today we are talking about the mysterious men in black. Yes. We can't get away from it. So we're just going to address this head on lens. Do it straight away. Just tell me what you remember about the movie starring Will Smith. You know what? The song? Because I can't really recall. Was there like small aliens operating larger? No? Yeah, those, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, both. There was a small alien operating Tony Shalhoub's head. Yes, exactly. Um, There, there was a, a UFO. Gosh, you know what? I think I've only seen it like twice. But I know the song. It's like, here come the men in black. Do, 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 do. You, no, I don't know this song. That's as much of the song as I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. There was um, Will Smith walking around in a desert. There was a UFO. Aliens controlled some guy's head. Um, oh, didn't aliens work for the FBI? Am I on the right track? Uh, kind of. Some the, did. So the aliens, the, the, the men in black in the film, Men in Black, starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, are more of an intergalactic police force. Yeah, they were they good are. guys, weren't they? Yeah, they're good guys. Not like the actual of, men in they're, black. They're kind of half passport control, half FBI. Mm, uh, for yeah. letting aliens into, in, into the world and then hunting them down if they do illegal activity. They also had a penchant for wiping people's minds, yeah. if you remember. Yes. Let's put on our black glasses and see what constitutes a real man in black, apart from Johnny Cash. <laughs> so the men in black's goal appears to be to cover up knowledge of alien activity. They often appear in the wake of a sighting of a UFO and threaten those who have either witnessed an unidentified flying object, or are researching into UFO activity. They are frequently described as bald, with emotionless faces. The few accounts that do mention emotion describe it as stilted and unnatural. You might say it was alien to them. Ooh. Uh, answers on a postcard, Linz. What colour do they wear? Black. Yes, black. <laughs> they wear... Black suits, ties, and fedora-style hats, which is ironic because most people who wear fedoras are neckbeards, but the men in black are usually described as hairless. <laughs> That's just how I like them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Smooth as an otter. The opposite of Chris, so, who, as I have described <laughs> many times, is a Sasquatch. <laughs> Indeed, I am. So, they, as I said, they do even lack eyebrows. Um, their speech has also been described as rather strange, almost as if they're doing their best impression of speaking as opposed to actually performing the act. Some reports state that they even communicate telepathically. Now, I've always thought of them in my mind as having hair. I don't know why. Maybe it's the movie that's influenced me, but I always thought that they had slicked back hair. Brill cream boys, if you will. <laughs> but um, Dax I guess boys. That, <laughs> well, I guess that's the difference between the MIB and the FBI. You can tell the difference by their hair. <laughs> now, the men in black are almost always male in appearance, although one or two accounts of female men in black are out there. Female um, men in black. But the men in black are reported to be like people from another time. Their overly formal appearance, down to their peculiar cars, ones that seem to be almost out of the 1930s or 40s, but belonging to no model of car that has ever existed. They've also been reported to be somewhat unsure of the environment they're in, from being confused by ballpoint pens to attempting to drink jelly. That's jello for Americans out there. Wait. Ball, they don't know. Okay. They. Where did the account of jelly drink? Are we going to get into this later? Uh, not that particular case. That was just an anecdote that I heard through, thrown out there Ooh. that I just wanted to mention. Okay, just really. weird behavior. So, right. Yeah, it, it really depends on which theory you believe about the men in black. And we'll get into the theories a bit later on. But you can start maybe thinking yourself, why would they be acting like this? At the same time, though, despite being confused by simple everyday objects, they also seem to possess advanced technology, and they often appear unannounced in the wake of UFO sightings with a surprising amount of knowledge about the incident that took place. They are not the galaxy's defenders, as the song says. The men in black have one goal, and one goal only, to suppress evidence of UFO encounters. And you know what that means? The title held by me, MIB, means what you think you saw, you did not see. Smooth, Chris. 
We got that in one take as well. One take, Jones. <laughs> so, Linz, before we go any further, how does that all sound? What picture is that giving you? You know, as you were telling me all this about the Men in Black, I realised that I don't really know much about them. They're just kind of like side characters for me and like the occasional alien encounter UFO sighting story. And I know that Michael's mentioned some things about Men in Black. Like, you know that the hauntings and the paranormal ghost stuff is like my forte and you do more of the... I do aliens occasionally, but you and Michael are really more into the alien stuff. And I realise I don't know that much about them, but like you, I did kind of picture them as sort of dapper chaps, like a bit of a retro... Maybe like, no, a bit of a sort of like 50s vibe to them. You know, like like you said, slicked back. I don't know if we got this from a movie, but slicked back hair, the hat, you know, just a regular looking man that maybe didn't express that much emotion. The sort of no eyebrows, bald headed men in black is not something I really associate it with when I think about it. But I haven't really gone deep into the theories on men in black. So I'm get like from what you said, I'm guessing there's a theory that Men in Black are aliens. You know, they can't, they don't know what a ballpoint pen is. They <clears throat> drank jelly, <laughs> which is something either an alien or someone who's been raised in like a concrete bunker with only water and bread would do. Or maybe like <laughs> in these modern times, um, like a, a robot, an AI robot. Ah, yeah. well, we shall see. We shall see a little bit later on. But what we're going to do first is we're going to dive into two cases and then we're going to explore some theories and then we're going to end up looking at some footage of men in black. No, because this is you, I'm feeling like it's a funny joke, but also... No. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is real. Let me tell you, Lindsay, this is much more compelling than water in a cup Fuck like off. you presented to me last time as evidence <laughs> of a ghost. That was evidence. It's on the website. Okay, go ahead, Chris. Convince me that the, the men in black, the hairless men in black sphinx men are coming to our doors. Well, okay then. Let's have a look then at what may be the first reported incident of the men in black. So let's go to almost heaven. West Virginia. That's a place name. 1924. No, it's the beginning of the song. What? Oh, shut up. Almost here. <laughs> West Virginia. That, that's absolutely not how John Denver sings. <laughs> what was that? Like last week you did a nice crooning happy birthday to September, and then this week you come out with that. <laughs> Hey, what can I say? <laughs> well, let's check in with John Cole. And John was a reporter in Braxton County, near the small town of Jem. A farmer called in a report that a plane had crashed in a nearby forest. And this was somewhat unusual in itself at the time, as planes, even back then, normally stayed in the air. John was dispatched to investigate and he met up with a local sheriff and several other men to search for the wreckage. It had been described as as big as a battleship and lacking wings by the farmer who called it in. After several hours of searching, the men came across the downed craft in a clearing. Although they had seemingly been beaten to the punch, as there were several men already there picking through the wreckage. These men were split into two categories. Some were dressed in coveralls made from reflective material, and others were dressed from head to toe in black. These men were described as having high cheekbones, narrow eyes, and dark skin. John's only frame of reference at the time was that he presumed that these gentlemen must have been Asian. Mm. Oh, dear God. He thought perhaps the plane had been downed on its way from the Far East, and these men were survivors. Mm. Anyway, okay. all the men were speaking to each other in a rapid-fire foreign tongue, and became very excited 
when they saw the search party. One of the search party exclaimed that these men must be spies and raised his gun at them, (gasps) as is American tradition. (laughs) Those wearing the reflective suits quickly disappeared inside the ship, and one of the men, wearing a suit, approached John and the party. He spoke English, although in a strange, unnatural tone, but he assured them that everything was okay and nobody was hurt. John noticed that all of these men were very small, around five foot in height. The man went on to assure the sheriff that once he had dealt with the incident, he would call the police station and file a full report. A seemingly no crime had been committed and nobody was hurt. The sheriff was quite happy to let things be and left the scene. John continued to survey what was going on for a short time. This craft was definitely not an aeroplane. There seemed to be no wings and no method of propulsion. It was also huge, far bigger than any plane that he had seen at the time. It just wasn't adding up. And as he moved around, John's foot brushed up against a metal thingamajig on the ground, as he described it. And he instinctively nicked it. (laughs) He just picked it up, put it in his pocket, and walked off like your garden variety thief at (laughs) 7-Eleven. That's what I would do too. (laughs) Well, let's flash forward and back at his home. John was pretty tuckered out from all the Asians and stealing that day. (laughs) And he went to bed early. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I don't know why this is slaying. I don't even know if I can. I say this. Um, <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, <laughs> can I say this? Uh, <laughs> married to a Japanese woman with a half Japanese kid. He's <laughs> took it out from all the. I don't ancients. get like a license in the mail. No, I mean, <laughs> then you're telling me a story like this. He was took it out from all the Asians, like Chris. What the fuck? I wasn't saying you get a license. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Ooh. Sorry, my okay. ribs actually hurt. <laughs> I don't know if you can say any of this, <laughs> but it's so funny. Oh, I think it's okay because you're kind of mocking him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> At 3am in the morning, John awoke to an incessant banging on his front door. Groggy and confused, John went downstairs and answered the door, which is exactly the opposite of what I would have done at 3am, Yep. and found a very similar looking man to those that he had encountered in the forest. Except this man was wearing a US Army uniform. The man spoke quickly as John opened the door. You picked up something today, the man said. We need it back. John was sleepy and it took him a few moments for his synapses to fire and remember that the thingamajig that he had pilfered was in his pocket. He gestured to the man and retrieved the item from his coat. As he held it up towards the man in the army uniform, it was snatched from his hand without a further word from the strange visitor. Rude. (laughs) There was no transport with the man, but suddenly he was gone. John revisited the site of the plane crash a few days later, but nothing was to be found except for flattened bushes where the craft had been. John chalked it all up to a secret army project and decided that it was probably for the best if he forgot all about it which may have been a wise move. Yeah, it's kind of like when you get told off for something and then you're like, you try to just put it out of your mind like you never did it. (laughs) It never happened. (laughs) Because you're like, yeah, I did something wrong. I stole the thingamajig. And that's a phrase I haven't heard in a very long time. (laughs) Yeah, thingamajig. It's coming back, kids. Yeah, you stole like a very important part of the engine. (laughs) Did you say it's fetch? I'm already done. <laughs> Chris. 
No, well, in this case, I mean, well, John was a bit of a bad guy here. He nicked their thingamajig. I can't really blame the men in black for retrieving it. But what are your thoughts on this first case, Linz? First of all, I love this story. I've never heard it. Um, your descriptions of the beings were very colourful. Um, mm. to- that, is, that is how John described it in his account years later. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was about to say. I, I'm, I'm guessing that wasn't your description. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this doesn't sound like Chris at all. But um, yeah, so am I to, to think that they were greys or? Well. I don't think they're quite as obviously alien as Grey, but the right. story does seem to suggest that the men in black here may be more alien in origin than human. But obviously you had these two types of people, at least in their clothes, those that are dressed in suits and those that are dressed in these shiny reflective clothing, um, which you might think of as maybe a space suit. So, mm. you know, if you sort of put the pieces together, are these men in the space suits were they from the crashed site and were the men in black, whatever they actually were based on earth and got there first, or were the men in black also on the craft and dressed up to go outside? And in which case, why did the other aliens or other, other people, whatever they were there in shiny suits, not also slap on a nice black suit? Yeah. Um, I have no clue, but, you always think of the men in black as just being like an sort of earth species, like a, a human kind of thing. Mm. And you'd expect that the craft crashed and the men in black showed up, in which case they have to be connected in some way. So, and why black suits? Is it like, I'm a, a regular man wearing a suit? It's like they saw a man mm. once and he was wearing a suit and then they're like, we have to wear this uniform. It's tr- like, I don't well, know. Could- Maybe it's a theory along the lines of sort of, you know, if you're wearing a high-vis jacket, you can do absolutely anything. You You can walk into anywhere. You can demand anything because you're wearing a high-vis jacket. Maybe that was the 1920s version of a high-vis jacket. Do you know, like, the earliest sighting of a man in black? Or is that not something that you are kind of looking looking at? So this case here is the earliest, the widely agreed on earliest reported sighting. What exact year was it? Men in black. So this was 1924. 24. Okay, right. So So this is before Roswell. You know, it's before, you know, aliens really hit the public zeitgeist. Yeah, quite a while before. Like, I know there's some, is there some in South America that are like quite early as well? But, but that's very early, like the 20s. And the men in black really didn't change their uniform from then on, did they? They're like, yep, I'm still doing the hat and the suit. <laughs> 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 what would they show up in now if they came like uh yeezys and uh, <laughs> yeah. ba- a backwards snapback a backwards uh, snapback <laughs> what year is it <laughs> these ones came down in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> they'd wear fubu as well and uh, they'd have popper pants yes kappa popper pants <laughs> <laughs> right okay um well yeah we've looked at We've looked at possibly the first case of Men in Black, but the next case is probably the most famous Men in Black incident, the Albert Bender encounter. Albert Bender. Now, Have we spoke of Bender yeah. before? We haven't, surprisingly. Okay. But Albert Bender was a man after our own hearts. He was a UFO enthusiast and ran his own publication called the IFSB or the International Flying Saucer Bureau, or rather that was the the name of the organization. The name of the the publication was Space Review. Nice. Now, the International Flying Saucer Bureau is a pretty cool name, um, and it was sort of a proto-DS radio. Yes, I'm declaring us that important. We are. Now, (laughs) (laughs) Now, Albert had served in the Army during World War II as a dental technician. Ooh. Which is is the first time I've ever heard of that. Me too. Um, That's uh But um yeah. as early Faith No More would say, I mean it's a dirty job, but someone's gotta do it. Chris. <laughs> Albert went on to become a timekeeper at the world's biggest scissor manufacturer. And 
he filled his home with oddities, including clocks. And apparently he had so many clocks that every half hour it sounded like a bomb had gone off at a clown convention with all the bells, <laughs> whistles and cuckoos going off at the same time. <laughs> that sounds like my version of a hell. Imagine the ticking as well. Yeah. Oh God, that would be awful. That's psychotic. Yes. I'm sorry, he's probably an amazing man, but that's absolutely psychotic. He, he was a rather eccentric fellow. You don't say. Um, and indeed, he, <laughs> he founded the IFSB and invited many famous people to join. Albert Einstein politely declined. But the group initially <laughs> had 600 members worldwide and Bender published the quarterly magazine Space Review in which he reported on all manner of bizarre goings-on, but with an especial interest in UFOs and the beings inside them. Inside? Oh, UFOs. I thought you said aliens and the beings inside them. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But he is definitely proto-DSR. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So this might be a bit of a warning to us, Lynn, so we better just um, be careful as we move forward through this case. Hmm. The year is 1952. And around Connecticut, where Bender lived, there had been a spate of UFO sightings. And Albert was in possession of what he described as a UFO scraping (gasps) after one had apparently collided with a nearby billboard to his home. A fender bender. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Albert began feeling not quite right, and soon afterwards he fell into some ill health. He began to feel that he was receiving telepathic messages and received very real threatening phone calls. Threatening in their persistence, as nobody said anything on the other end of the phone. But someone, or something, was definitely on the other end. Was it breathing? Do you like scary movies? <laughs> no, but <laughs> I just, oh, I really thought you were going with like, it's going to be like, <sighs> <laughs> that would be an abusive call. Yes. <laughs> Albert couldn't shake the feeling that he was being watched. So he decided to forget about UFOs for a night and go and catch a film. Upon his return from watching the latest science fiction movie, he was met with the unmistakable stench of sulfur in his home. And as he climbed the stairs and reached his bedroom and pushed open the door, a large glowing orb was hovering above his bed. As Albert stepped forward towards the orb, it disappeared. But as Albert checked his room, his research on UFOs had clearly been rifled through. No. Albert feared that he was too close to the truth, having recently made a breakthrough discovery that all UFOs were coming from the North Pole. Oh. Um. What? I don't know, but that's where he (laughs) believed that UFOs were coming from. Listen, there's some weird lights around there. And I'm thinking, (laughs) that's the HQ. (laughs) Okay, the North Pole. Is Santa an alien? No, Bender is, well, I don't know, Mm. actually. But I don't believe he is. But there are some theories that say there are bases, both military and alien, under the North Pole itself. So perhaps this is the type of thing that he was tapping into. Mm. And in fact... He had just sent a postcard to an associate, filling him in on the news about Santa Claus's home. Was it a postcard to Santa in the North Pole that we all send at Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was to one of his, uh, his associates in the IFSB. Had the postcard been intercepted, he had been planning to announce this revelation in the upcoming October issue. Albert had to continue his work regardless. Albert returned to the cinema a few days later. This time it was relatively empty. Partway through the movie, Albert felt the feeling of being watched intensify, and he looked to his side. A short distance away there was a man 
at least it was shaped like a man, where there had been nobody sitting previously. This man was dressed in a wide-brimmed hat and a black suit. But the most remarkable thing was the man's glowing eyes that burned and reflected light almost like a cat's. Albert began to feel dizzy and nauseous and passed out. When he came to, he continued to watch the movie. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he paid for his damn ticket after all. He wasn't going to let some men in <laughs> Are black you serious? threaten him. <laughs> Are you serious? I am very serious, yes. <laughs> but, but honestly, um, that gave me chills when you described it. Like, it was sort of like a Salem's Lot kind of, like the glow. Oh, that, that is actually really creepy. I'm loving these stories. Mm. It's scarier than a haunting, but is he having some kind of episode, maybe? Well, quite possibly. Yeah. That is one of these theories that are thrown out there. Yeah. But it wasn't over for Albert. A little into the third act, he noticed the sharp-dressed man again, positioned now at the front of the movie theatre, facing directly at him and staring a hole in him. Albert knew that he had to send a message to the UFOs as soon as it was safe for him to leave the theatre. He had been experimenting with telepathy for some time, but decided to ask his readers of Space Review to assist him. He made the call for all readers at the same time of day to mentally broadcast the same message so that the aliens in the UFOs would hear him. Linz? Yes? Can you read that message? Oh, definitely. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft that have been observing our planet Earth we of IFSB wish to make contact with you. We are your friends. This seemingly only made things worse for Albert. And soon there was a firm knocking at his door. He was visited by three men, all dressed in black suits with Homburg-style hats. They showed credentials that identified them to be representatives of some kind of higher authority. Although quite what higher authority it was, Albert couldn't remember. They did not touch the floor, but hovered above it. They informed him that their human appearance was an illusion, and whatever information he told people about their visitation would not be believed. They supposedly also told him that they captured people from Earth and used their bodies to disguise themselves. They communicated with him telepathically and left no doubt that he was to stop publishing Space Review. They confiscated all of his copies of the issues of Space Review and vanished, leaving behind a thick yellow fog and the sickening smell of sulphur. Albert initially continued with the magazine, but was plagued by repeated visits from the men in black who always appeared in threes. Albert felt compelled to shut down Space Review, and he published the final issue in October of 1953, complete with an out-of-character note in the pages that read, the mystery of the flying saucers is no longer a mystery. The source is already known, but any information about this being withheld oh but any information about this is being withheld by orders from a higher source. We would like to print the full story in space review, but because of the nature of the information, we have been advised in the negative. We advise those engaged in saucer work to be very cautious. Indeed, Albert had seemingly gone through somewhat of a complete personality change. Worried, an associate dispatched two IFSB members to visit and interview Albert. Linz, would you like to hear that interview? Oh God, yes. Well, you're going to play the role of the interviewer, and I 
will play Albert K. Bender. Wait, this isn't going to be like a Septembrio style role play where you lead me into some weird, like, fetish reading. Oh, what, you and Septembrio do in your own time, it's your own business. <laughs> All right, here we go. When did the three men visit you? I can't answer that. Who were the men? I can't answer that. Were they from the government? I can't answer that. Can you tell me where you found your source of information? I was turning a theory over and over in my mind. When I got some actual names and places to back it up, I submitted it to someone. Then, the men came. Why can't you just talk freely about these things? Just before the men left, one of them said, I suppose you know you're on your honour as an American. If I hear another word out of your office, you're in trouble. What will they do with you if you give out information? Put me in jail and shut me up. How did the three men find out about your theory? I wrote about it and was going to have it printed. I sent it to a friend of mine and right after that the three men paid me a visit and they had my story with them. Were the men friendly with you? They were pretty rough with me. Two men did all of the talking and the other, the other kept watching me all the time they were here. He, uh, he didn't take his eyes off me. What else did they do in your office besides talk? They, they took um, serial numbers of my tape recorders. Why do you delay answering each of my questions for a few seconds? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm afraid of slipping. If I do, I can get in a lot of trouble. With this information you claim to know about the sources, if you did write about it and had it published, what would happen? I would likely go down in history. Also, I would go to jail for a long time. You said the three men who paid you the visit were pretty rough with you. Can you tell me just what you meant by that? They were not too friendly. Okay. So what, yeah, what do you think of that lens? He is not giving out a lot of information. Um, you can't hear his tone of voice, of course, but from the answers, he sounds a bit scared and like he's been intercepted and he seems really fearful. I mean, obviously it's a text-based interview, but from that, it's just a guy who can't say too much, like he's been warned. Yes, he seems very reluctant yes. to be talking. Uh, years later, though, he did open up a little bit more. Um, and one of the things that he did was provide a sketch of the men in black. Ah, okay. This is why the name was familiar to me. I think Septembrio and I may have talked about this guy in the sleep paralysis episode. <laughs> so I'll describe this to the viewers. We have... <laughs> what looks like Freddy Krueger going to a formal lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got like, well, in this drawing, I think it's meant to be a fedora, but it looks like a squished Stetson hat. Um, his face is a bit obscured. This is a pencil drawing, the graphite drawing. And um, yeah, it's just, a, it looks like a regular man. Can't see any hair, but I guess they would have had quite short hair back then. Um, he's in a black single-breasted suit. Um, he's kind of hovering. He's not hovering, his toes. It's like, <laughs> okay, so I think he's meant to be hovering in the drawing because there's a shadow below him. And his toes are just kind of scraping the ground. It looks like he's on his tiptoes, but obviously there's a weightlessness to it, so he's hovering. And then around him, I don't know if that's meant to be like 
a ray of light, like a bright aura or something. Um, yeah, it's a it's a hovering man in black. Um, yeah, I think I did a pretty good yeah. description of it. And below it, it says Albert K. Bender's sketch of a man in black. And I think I remember this drawing, not this specific drawing, but something similar that I have seen once. And I think Septembrio, Michael Eight of Septembrio, might have mentioned it way back in a sleep paralysis episode. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to go back and check that out. I didn't remember it from it was briefly the time, but if yeah, you brought up very briefly. Yeah. Well, Albert went on to be very cagey about his experiences. He only really told the full story years later when he judged it to be safe. After the final issue of Space Review, he moved to California and managed a hotel. Interestingly, several years after this incident, Albert's former residence was demolished. Along with the rest of the surrounding area due to redevelopment and a brand new bridge, being constructed right where Albert was visited by the three men. How convenient. Call it, mm, call it coincidence, call it a cover-up, but there is nowhere that the evidence of any of this could remain. So, Linz, this is an appropriate time to tackle who or what are the men in black. Well, there's several theories that have been put forth as to their identity. The first is that they are humans, working for either a public government agency, or they are representatives of a shadowy arm of the government, one designed to repress knowledge of alien activity. Mm. And in the terms, on the scale of how crackers these theories can go, this one is probably the most likely one, to be honest. If we conveniently ignore some other things like materialising from thin air, (laughs) telepathy and floating above the ground. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The next theory is that these men are actually aliens in human suits, which explains their odd behaviour and their somewhat supernatural abilities. Then they would be some kind of clean-up crew dispatched by the aliens themselves to retrieve thingamajigs and threaten humans if they revealed what they knew. And I think this seems somewhat nice of the aliens, to be honest. Yeah. Because you'd think, you know, with the ability to just disappear, that they'd just kill the witnesses, as there'd be no repercussions of these extraterrestrial boys. Yeah, but they, you know, they, they might not be... It's particularly evil just to kill things out of inconvenience (laughs) they might you know respect sentient life and yeah i mean i can't see that being but then again if you don't want to be found out and you go and threaten people i guess it makes sense in that respect and i mean we say aliens but to them we are the aliens so they're probably like oh god those things (laughs) the next theory is that they are human but they are working with aliens, either in some kind of agreement, a la the X-Files, yes. or that they have been somehow augmented by the aliens to work for them. Mm. The next theory is that these men are not men, they are not aliens, but they are androids. That's what I programmed. think. Yeah, programmed by either the government or aliens to suppress information on UFOs. And considering the earliest reports of the men in black are in the early part of the 20th century, they would have to be alien in origin, as public human technology hasn't even made a Jetson-style robot made yet. (laughs) I guess they have. I want one. There's alien waiters, alien, robot waiters in Japan. You sent me a video of one. They are are, are cats. They are robot cats. They're completely separate. Different Different species. The final theory is that they are ultra-terrestrials, beings from another plane, much like Bigfoot, but with a much more sinister agenda than our furry friends. Proponents of this theory state that the men in black are downright hostile towards humans, and you do not want to cross them. So, Linz? Yes? Which of these theories do you think is the, the most likely for the origin of the men in black. I'm thinking 
the whole like android robot thing and of course like it's not they're not like they weren't public knowledge i mean i guess in a sci-fi capacity we've always we've thought about like robots and androids and that kind of thing for like decades now like it's been a thing you know like in sci-fi and but i do think it kind of makes sense because now we're starting to almost get there like it's happening it's the beginnings of like androids and you know ai and everything and they are making like realistic looking kind of robot things so it's like combine it all like i'm guessing if there's like if the military have been working on robot alien accomplices for the, <laughs> the last few decades we wouldn't know about them yet so we're slowly finding out on our own so i think they could be like little android things doing like the bidding of i don't know who but obviously like if we're looking at this in like believing that aliens are coming in ufos from space landing on earth and being like doi doi i don't know what they're doing just collecting what what are they doing in your opinion <laughs> Um, I think that they are probably some kind of cleanup crew. Yeah, but why are they coming down uh, and, you know, poking around? That was my question. <laughs> oh, as aliens? Yes, aliens. I mean, um, like, well, I would guess that they are maybe aliens that are left on this planet to help when aliens who are visiting the, the planet get into trouble. That's what I would suggest maybe. Okay. <laughs> they are trying to basically think of them like problem solvers. That's what I take from these stories and the research that I've done, that they are they're either human or they're alien, but either way, they are coming along to sort out the shit that we've got themselves into. Like like aggressive diplomats. They're not doing a very good sorting out though, are they? <laughs> well, how many stories have we not heard from their threats? Ooh. Ooh. Well, in that case, I guess they could be like a human branch working with them. Living in black, I mean. Could be like a human branch <laughs> working alongside the aliens. But God knows. Like me and um, Michael 8, we were thinking that they were sleep paralysis demons. <laughs> Well, I mean, that could be that could be another theory for them, definitely. Lenzo, I do have a question for you. Yes. What is the connection between Ghostbusters and Men in Black? Hmm. Oh, I was about to answer this seriously, but I'm feeling like it's some kind of dad joke. No, no, there is a serious connection here. Um, they both have cute costumes <laughs> they're both taking beings that aren't supposed to be on earth away and i don't know just tell me well the answer is that the star of ghostbusters dan Aykroyd, once had a tv show cancelled by the men in black excuse me <laughs> what let's listen I had both Bassett, who uh, has the, the UFO time clock, and then Greer. Both Bassett and Greer were there. They were my two guests for the day. Well, the show was canceled that afternoon. And um, I was outside in, before I knew it was canceled, in between the interviews. And uh, I was outside, and Britney Spears called me because she wanted to, me to appear on Saturday Night Live with her. And so I picked I was outside having a cigarette. The phone rang. Uh, I, I, oh, Brittany, how you doing? Oh, sure, of course I will. I turned away like this. I turned back, and there was a black Ford across the road, a black Ford sedan. And I, I was trying to look at the plate, and the plate seemed kind of like fuzzy. And I was, you know, definitely a police car. And two guys were there, and a big, big, tall guy got out of the back seat. And he stood in the street on, um, on 42nd Street, it was. We, we were at 42nd Street and 8th Avenue. And he looked right at me. And literally, I mean, I was on the phone. Hey, oh, sure, of course I'd love for the show. Saw the Ford, went back like this, turned back like a half second later, and it was gone. And that car did not go past me. It did not make a U-turn because I would have seen 42nd Street. I would have seen that thing take a U-turn and go away. 
That car vanished. That car was a cloaked vehicle of some type. And whether this was like a warning to me, because the guy got out of the backseat, gave me a real dirty look. That car vanished. I know what I saw. And, uh, you know, I, I, it, was, it was just this fast. It was, oh, hi, Brittany, sure. Oh, of course, I'd love to. Guy gives me a dirty look. Oh, well, sure. Car gone. That's what happened. And uh, then two hours later, uh, we were told we were not to continue taping, and the show was canceled, and none of them would air. What do you think, Linz? I am, like, starstruck right now for him. Like, he was speaking to Britney Spears on the phone. <laughs> but, yeah, okay. <laughs> Excusing that part and getting to the Men in Black, like, that is an amazing clip. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so shocked at it. Like... He was like, I'm going to go out there and tell everybody. Like, usually people were like, ooh, I'm so scared, the men in black. But he's like, I've got to tell everybody. Got to get this out there. Which I think is a really good line of defense. <laughs> to just put it out there. Like, if anything happens to me, men in black. But yeah, um, it sounded like... Um, I have a friend, actually, who said that he once saw this kind of, like, black helicopter. But it was, like, a really unusual-looking helicopter. And he went to take a picture of it. And when he, he zoomed in a little bit, and when he took the picture, he looked at it on his phone in the gallery. And the entire, the rest of the picture was absolutely clear, but the helicopter part was like pixelated and blurred. And when mm. Ackroyd was like, oh yeah, I looked at the license plate and it was fuzzy. I don't know if he's being literal, but like, it kind of reminded me of that. Like when you, like looking at a stealth kind of vehicle, and then not being able to actually take it in completely, how it looks to the to the naked eye. It's it's really strange. Like, I love that clip. <laughs> I, I've never seen it before. I want to know more. I want to know about the show that was pulled. It's so interesting. I, I just love the way that somehow it involves Britney Spears. I know. As well. I was like, oh my God. I was God. just out there and she was just on the phone to me. You know, she's like, you know, yeah, like, hit me down one more time. <laughs> it's Britney. Go on bitch. Saturday Night Live with me. <laughs> <laughs> I love Britney. It, Britney was my number one listened artist on Spotify last year. Really? Yes. I went really? through a phase, okay. but I just went on an absolute phase of like listening to Britney Spears, like exclusively, oh. <laughs> to the point where it was my number one. <laughs> I, I don't mind a bit of Britney. It's fine, no problem. Um, but that just that surprises me. It does it really? Mm. Yeah, just Britney and then like death metal. <laughs> I was I was expecting like you know Misfits, AFI. Oh yeah, yeah, the Misfits was up there too. Offspring, Offspring. No, what year is it, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, no, sorry. I'm reading my. Yeah, Spotify I was going to say that. I think that's yours. You haven't listened to any new music since. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to any new music since 2001. I seriously think that might be the case <laughs> by the bands you've just listed. I was like, what? <laughs> The Misfits, okay, timeless. <laughs> uh, okay, let me think of a new band. Uh, I listened to Limp Bizkit. <laughs> I actually did. I listened to Break Stuff the other day just because it came into my head. <laughs> what a what a fantastic song, but that's for another episode yes, when we do a sorry. deep dive on Fred Durst. <laughs> so, Linz, do you remember what I promised you a little bit earlier in today's episode? Yes, a video of a man in black. Yes, would you like to see some CCTV footage of a man in Do black? you even have to ask? I've been ready since the start right. of the episode. Around. She still hasn't. There he is. It's the office gun, so it's obvious that she doesn't feel comfortable. Now watch his hand. Watch his hand. And she just... She turns around and puts it down on the counter and points at her. So she goes to her purse, and I paused it right here. And then she her demeanor. And then they leave. Okay, Chris. Um, I have to say, I am not convinced by this YouTube short. I don't know the context of it. <laughs> like, he, the guy says... I'm sure you're going to play the audio of this so the listeners can hear it, but he's, he says she grabs the office gun 
Um, what kind of this office? is in America? Yeah, but what kind of office is this? And her handling of the gun, like she's picking up a gun and her fingers already on the trigger. Like that is well, she psychotic to me. Something threatening must have. Yeah, but you don't pick up her. a gun, put your finger on the trigger. Like that's just yeah. I that is um that cannot be. Where is this from? I have no idea. To be honest, I, uh, this is one of several pieces of supposed footage out there. Although I have to say, this one is the one that is the most convincing. Although it could also be completely staged. I do admit that as well. But so you have you've ones... sent me a YouTube short <laughs> with no research into its background or origin. <laughs> hey, with hey, the hashtag scary office. hashtag creepy. <laughs> Well, it's better than the one that I found from She's. <laughs> Chris, I don't know what this Could is. Could this be a real man in black? <laughs> so most of the footage out there of MIBs, to be honest, it could just be men wearing suits. That's just a man in a suit. Uh, and he's kind of bald. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the main feature about this, because usually the, the men in black are wearing hats, and they're wearing full suits and hats. And, you know, there's lots of people out there that wear suits and hats. It's not, that is not proof in itself. Um, but in this particular piece of footage, a bald man wearing a suit, uh, who's not Hitman 47, <laughs> walks into an office, approaches a woman who is immediately shocked and pulls a gun. He then makes a rather bizarre hand movement and she lays the gun down and around from behind the desk and leaves the office with him. You said to me earlier that my Pontefract Monk episode, which was the previous episode, that the evidence I presented there was terrible in comparison to this. At least the cup mm -hmm. that filled itself in the Pontefract home was in the Pontefract home. <laughs> Well, I think we'll agree to disagree on this. Uh, oh, okay. This this could not be real, but also <laughs> um, it's a much better attempt at, attempt at not being real than a cup of water. I don't know, Chris. I don't know. But we will put this on the Patreon and the Instagram for debate. We'll do a little um, vote on Instagram stories. So make sure you follow us there, d.s.radio. Check us out there. Um, that's the end of today's episode. So, so Linz, just before we complete things. Mm -hmm. um, what are your final thoughts on Men in Black? I love the stories that you told me in this episode. I don't love the last video <laughs> you showed me. I don't know. I need, I just need to know everything about it now. And I am going to look into it and I will make a Patreon post can, on it. <laughs> if you can find, find stuff on it, then you're better than I am. Yeah, like if you failed, I, um, I could. I don't know. I couldn't. Find yeah, exactly. Time. I don't know what I'm going to find if you couldn't find jack shit. That makes it very interesting to me. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, a little little homework that you've given me there. We will look into this a bit more, Chris. We'll see what we can find, and if we can't find jack shit, um, as we probably won't, we'll put a poll up on the Instagram, and everyone can vote, and we'll let the people decide. <laughs> But I've honestly loved this episode. I didn't really know anything much about the Men in Black, only what Septembrio told me in one of our previous episodes. But yes, um, now I'm kind of worried because, you know, I've been going to some um, local alien crash sites here in the south of Sweden. And uh, who knows, if I ever answer the door, I might come face to face with a man in black, a Swedish one, a Nordic. Maybe, if you will. Ooh. A Nordic alien man in black. Who knows? A Nordic alien. <laughs> One can only hope. <laughs> Until. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to these stories today, Linz, and for watching the compelling footage that I have presented <laughs> in front of you. Next time, we'll be back with one of your stories. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. But um, until next time, Make sure that you watch out for. Oh. Oh, what was that? Hold on. Chris? Chris? Just a moment, Lens. Just a moment. Just a moment. Chris, don't answer that. Hello? Hello? No. <laughs>
Chris, oh. I, I've just, I was just recording a podcast with Matt. Chris! Chris, oh my God! Oh, for fuck's sakes, who's going to replace Chris? Oh God, he's been vaporized. Great. Now what am I, who am I going to? Oh. Hey, 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 I'm ready to record. Chris? We've just you recorded an entire ready. episode about the men in black. On? Chris? For what? You're, uh, it's me, Linz. Who? Lynn. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> and cut. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? Yes. What was that? Like that fucking motorbike again. Have you ever walked through a room, but it was more like the room passed around you? (laughs) (laughs) Hold hold on. What? Oh, what's that? The lyric. (laughs) Have you ever walked through a room, but it was more like the room passed passed around you? Like there was a leash around your neck that pulled you through. <laughs> the offspring, and it's oh, oh no, no, it, I can see the music video in my head. Does it have a video? Oh no, is it from Conspiracy of One? Um, Americana, I think. Oh, Americana. Yeah. No, I'm not. I don't know where the hell I song. pulled that from. <laughs> Oh, it's called Have You Ever? Oh. Have You Ever? Have You Ever? Yeah. We're so stupid. There we go. Okay. <sighs> okay. I'm going to try it again now that that, mic's, uh, that bike is pissed off. <laughs> so, Lens. Chris. Have you ever? Eh, eh, <laughs> 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 told you this was going to One take Jones. One take Jones. <laughs>